Welcome to OK Sis. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy. As we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, Ready, sisters? Hello, welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. OK, and I am Scout. And we are these sisters behind... Okay, says podcast, and someone is coming in hot today. Is it because I got you a very strong iced coffee? Yeah, you haven't even made a dent in your iced coffee. Because this is my second one, and I realized that potentially I should not have another after I already ordered it and paid for it. Yikes. Yeah, I am hyped up on the caffeine. That is for sure. Um, What's up, Scal? How are you doing? Um, I'm good. I had a very emotional day today with my coach. Some spiritual breakthroughs, some personal development breakthroughs. I keep talking about it with Mads because it's quite, I'm hoping that, I'm really just hoping that you'll follow Sue and have these emotional breakthroughs with me is, okay. is what's happening. But um, okay. there's a lot of uh, spirituality talk in the coming, the coming, so, oh my God. I <laughs> Did you see in the coming pot episode? I wanted to shorten episode to soda. <laughs> no, that's not working for anybody. I'm going to make it a thing. Um, Coming up on the following soda, we toy oi. Okay, we won't talk about spirituality, but I don't know about that sewed situation. Oh, I love it. Anyways, Guys, it's going to be the next thing. Um, some news that happened in my world. Mads doesn't know who this is, but in my world, uh, Rachel Hollis and Dave Hollis are getting divorced after 18 years of marriage. And this is important because there's a lot of anger about this on the internet right now um, because they really position themselves as... An example of a marriage. So they have their own podcast where they talk about marriage. Mm. And they were just recently in an article written a month ago about how to make marriage work. And so they've really positioned themselves as almost this relationship expert and this like marriage expert standing. And and not that I don't think they shouldn't get divorced. It's not that. It's just that people that have been following them She's very well known for her relationship and her family and, and, and her mental health and self-development work that she's done. But her and Dave Hollis really are almost this public figure and example of a marriage. And so I think where if you are a follower of Rachel Hollis, who has, and I will say this disclaimer, has had some controversy in the past. Okay, we, we will talk about that. You know, I'm not, you know, condoning all that. But I think where people are upset is that it came out of left field and maybe they weren't being so honest about their marriage as they've been trying to dole out marriage advice to everybody else. So people are upset about it. They're yeah, the trust is kind of lost. Yeah, a like bit. was it was it all a show, you know, and it, I don't think that people are critiquing her for having marriage issues. I think it's just, you know, if you put yourself on a on a in a platform where you're doling out advice and like you haven't been and Dave Hollis said he's been thinking about it for years. So um, uh, my prayers are obviously with the family. I know they have um, like three children, um, four children, maybe. So um, I personally liked her book. A lot of people didn't. um, But yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting, it's definitely been all over the internet. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Thanks for the, uh, the update. Another thing I want to put on everyone's radar. You guys all know that we are big bachelor people. We are proud members of bachelor nation. There is a petition going around, um, to get a black lead as either the bachelor or the bachelorette in a coming season. Or I mean, 
a true reform across the board in terms of diversity for the show, but specifically to cast a black lead in an upcoming season. And we'll post the, I mean, it's in our stories, but we'll also post it uh, in the show notes because we want everyone to really, I mean, the show has been, has not been a good advocate and ally for the black community and it can, it can expand its audience if it were to include everyone. And it's just really upsetting. I mean, we wanted Mike for Bachelor. Yes, he got a little thirsty after he was denied The Bachelor. We will not deny that. But he was truly, one, undervalued in Paradise. Dude, what a fucking catch. I would have been all over him if I was in Paradise. Like, Ooh. he's great. Wow. Okay, calm it down. I'm married. And then... um. Once he didn't get The Bachelor, it seemed like it was a little bit, like, attention a hoary on the Instagram. But I'd be fine if they cast him back as The Bachelor. He's no, great. No, he needs to be. It's just very it, – and Rachel Lindsay has said this. She was on Bachelor Party with Juliette Littman, The Ringer. You guys all know I'm a, you know, huge fan of that podcast. Um, and she was mentioning that – he had all the makings of being a bachelor. He had the fans behind him. He was obviously very handsome and um, much charming. Much more than Peter. Much, much more than more. Peter. And, and also, the producers have so much power. They have so much power to make someone likable and whatever. So they did position him in this way. And literally, they had it on a fucking platter to take the choice to be diverse and to put him as a black bachelor and they said let's give him peter and let him jerk off into a windmill and fuck every girl and literally give us nothing okay okay well yes we this is kind of old news since when this happened we were quite outraged we were all for mike for bachelor but yes sign the petition yes great probably coming back to that action point yeah um okay i yeah i notified you of this next news Yes. You didn't even know about it. Yes. Um, you can talk. So everyone probably has seen um, the controversy controversy of Stassi and Kristen, Stassi Schroeder and Kristen Doty of Vanderpump Rules. Um, just to give you a little backstory of what happened. Faith. Let me get her last name. I'm sorry. Hold on. Faith Stowers. She was a very... Minor role in the series, which, um, you know, people are starting to question, question like, okay, you know, the, I mean, the, the show is historically very white. There is literally not a, col- a person of color in the cast. And, and we there had, was like 20 people in the fucking cast. And we had Billy Lee, who's transgender, and she was the first transgender, and she, and she had a bad experience as well. Right, so what I'm saying is the show definitely does not favor diverse cast members and does not give them a voice and does not give them any airtime that they deserve. So Faith, essentially her, her storyline was she had sex with Jax when Jax and Brittany were together. It was um, obviously an infidelity moment and she was classified as the villain and uh, uh, Jax was for a moment, but he's always classified as that. But Jax is still on the show. Jax is still admired and still thriving. And Faith was eliminated after that season. So Slut shamed. Right. So what happened with Stassi and Kristen is apparently there was a black person who was committing crimes. And Stassi and Kristen. Like in the neighborhood? 
Like just where? Like, on set? No, no, no. J- j- yeah, just like in life. Like in LA? Yeah, like okay. in life. Okay. And then um, here it says, Stassi and Kristen had called the police to report Faith for crimes that had been reported in the Daily Ma- Mail article about a black woman wanted for theft. So Stassi and Kristen saw a black woman, a random black woman in the Daily Mail, in, in the Daily Mail. And they called the police and said it was Faith. I mean, one, they know it's not Faith, so that's of just course. fucked up. Two, who the fuck calls, who the fuck gets someone into legal trouble that is innocent? That is so fucked. So, uh, Faith last week was on an Instagram Live and she recounted this experience. And not only did she recount this experience, Stassi admitted to it on a podcast years ago and had said like yeah we did this yeah i read that so so faith was like yeah they fucking did this to me and like great cool like obviously doing this because of racial prejudice and they claimed it was because they were trying to get back at her trying to get back at her and literally took jacks back into their friend group immediately so anywho it was reported today that Stassi and Kristen have been fired from Vanderpump Rules. Wow. And damn. Like this. Oh, damn. This is huge news. I'm. Also, Stassi's been dropped from her management company. And she was going to get married on Bravo. She was going to get her wedding paid for by Bravo. And so none this of that. Is, this is Bravo stepping up to the plate and, and Amazing. really, they, really holding their community accountable. They are also, uh, they also fired Max and Brett. These are two new cast members from last season. They were like the fuck boys of the season. They also had past racist tweets resurface, quote unquote, apologized. I mean, these were unforgivable tweets and uh bravo's like nope we're not standing for it so i am actually really really proud of bravo i think now that four cast members have been eliminated they should replace them with four black they cast will members. they will they will so anyway lisa vanderpump hire some black people at your restaurants please yeah so insane news. I mean, the world, I mean, we, we know the world we live in now. There's new shit every day. It's coming out, but it's good. It's, it's, all, it's all moving towards the right direction. Exactly. Um, I love that you're still in San Diego, and I'm worried that you're going to leave soon. Yes. Um, still here, still thriving. Um, you know, I think it's been so nurturing to be in our childhood home and being, you know, like catered to, like I'm a little baby. So and dad making you every single meal. Exactly. And I was like, why would I ever, why would I ever leave this? Anyways, I, um, you should never leave this. Mads is admitting that San Diego is her home and she should come back. Okay, sisters, let's talk about doing the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run. I make a smoothie every single morning and consider myself a pretty healthy person, but even then, I'm still most likely not getting all the essential nutrients I need on a daily basis. So we want to talk to you about Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. So I take my Ritual right after I drink my smoothie with all the rest of my pills in my cute little pink pill box, and it's become... No pun intended. Oh, Rachel. Yeah. How do you take your ritual meds? Oh, I take it. I pop that baby in the morning. Let me tell you about their minty 
taste because if you guys have ever had history with vitamins, they usually have this like fishy, gross aftertaste. Whereas with Ritual, it tastes like you are swallowing a mint. So, you know, really good for the morning breath that you might have, you know, pop that baby in, get your nutrients and smell amazing. Yeah. And it has from D3 to omega-3, Ritual's Essential for Women helps gaps in fill gaps in a women's diet. Also, guys... If you're an obsessive label reader, Ritual's got you. They're vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. Also, it's a basically a dollar a day to get this subscription. They deliver it right to your door. And if you actually look into getting all of these nutrients in your vitamin regimen, it is a lot more than a dollar a day. So we're always down for a good deal. That is also a cute box. So branding snaps for branding. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering the sisterhood 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash okcis to start your ritual today. That's 10% off, not during your first month, during your first three months at ritual.com slash okcis. All right. So housekeeping. One, we have a newsletter. If you're ever looking for a really cute, fun little thing to open up in your inbox, you can subscribe at okcispodcast.com. Also in the link in our Instagram bio. Um, we have an Instagram at okcispodcast. We have a secret Facebook group. It's called OK Sisters. Huge community over there. If you're looking for any type of tips, any type of um, sisterhood, Feel free to join. We are all about self-promotion. So if you have a product that we want to promote and support, feel free to join that to spread the word. And let's see. Oh, yeah. No longer is our TikTok at OKSIS Podcast. If you were following it, welcome. You now follow me at Maddie Mayo on TikTok. And if we could all get back at Maddie for kicking me off the joint TikTok, can you please go follow me at Scout Solo? Because I have a total of six followers at the current moment. You also just joined like two days ago. So calm down. I don't give a shit. Be patient. No, I'm Um, not patient. Growth takes some time. Yeah. And do me a favor, sisters. Flood my TikTok. Thanks. And lastly, and most importantly, please go to uh, OKSIS on the Apple Podcasts and rate, review, subscribe, subscribe, rate, review. Oh my God. Yeah, that was beautiful. (laughs) I think I just had a stroke. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck just happened to you there, but we will, the show must go on. Okay, guys, we are so excited about this episode. I, I, I am leaving buzzing. I, I, I'm dying. It was it was so good. Yeah, so we had Brienne Patrice. She is, I mean, a, a multi-hyphenate is not even not covering all Not just a multi-hyphenate. She so embodies, so there's three different types of doshas, doshas. She really represents the, like, grounded Mother Earth dosha. Absolutely. Like, so... She contributes and manages essentially three communities. One is Sad Girls Club, which you probably have seen all over Instagram. Incredible branding, first of all. Um, Also, Black Girl in Ohm, which is a resource for black women in the yoga and meditation space. And then she is now creating an online community called 2930, which is all about sexual divinity. And she is just such a soothing and nurturing force she's she's quite wise she's got the insights guys and she 
um, rattles off a long list of resources that women of color can utilize during this time for their mental health, which I will be, which is in the show notes. I'm going to be linking everything in the show notes. So enjoy, sisters. Enjoy. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Brianne Patrice is the executive director and editor-in-chief of Sad Girls Club. Outside of the club, Brianne also holds the position of publication editor over at Black Girl in Ohm. With mental health and wellness at the helm of her work, Brianne is an intuitive-led healer, spiritualist, and meditation guide. Creatively, she is a writer and owner of 2930, an online community dedicated to informing the conversation around survival mode and its long-term effects on our four bodies, empowering women to reconnect to their sensual and sexual divinity. Without further ado, Brianne. Hi, everyone. How are you guys? We are good. We have, just from that bio, we have so much to talk about. I feel very in line with you coming on right now, just in my own personal life and my spiritual shifts I'm going through. So this is just awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Your energy is soothing. I feel like I have just taken like a breath of fresh air just from (laughs) being in your presence. Against our frantic energy trying to get our (laughs) iced coffee before 2.30 rolls around. Okay, so where uh, where are you right now in quarantine? I am based in Brooklyn, New York. So I've been here. Oh, I live here, but I haven't left Brooklyn in four months. I just realized that um, in conversation yesterday that I have not left Brooklyn or been on the public transportation or Uber or outside of like my five block radius in four months. Wow. Yeah. That's... <laughs> I mean, that's a situation. This is, I mean, the quarantine life, man, it is just, 
who knew that we could go months without without leaving like it just it never felt real and then now it's like been yeah four yeah. months yeah. and we're like oh we're still doing this yeah I'm I'm kind of done with the quarantine life because I run my own business and I have an office and there's only three of us mm-hmm. so we've decided to like the three of us socially distance so I've been going back into the office and then I'll go to my dad's house and that's it but it feels like since I'm getting out of the house every day it's just like I have less so but anyways <laughs> we hope you can get out soon and experience the glory of an Uber, you know, and, and, and driving and all that good stuff. Um, shall we do current fixations? Let's do it. Okay. So my current fixation is a brand called Sasha Bianca. She is actually one of the sisters in our sisterhood. Mm-hmm. And she came out with this incredible intimate wear line um, that she's also transforming into, um, not luxury wear, but lounge wear. And um, like... Like, uh, not not sweats, but, like, nice sweats. You know, like, stuff you feel sexy in, but that's not, like, a freaking bustier or whatever. So she sent us some of her underwear, Mm -hmm. and I am obsessed. So it's Mm high-waisted. So, like, I have some hips. And so for those of you that might have a hip and, like, a smaller waist, it hits at the perfect point on your body. Um, And it's just comfortable. It's, like, this really great material. And I almost use it just like I like just wearing them and just putting on a big t-shirt and walking around the house in them to be honest Um, but it's really great and she actually sold out this month she is a black business owner and it's amazing to hear that the social media social media community has been supporting her this week so like kudos to her Sasha Um, it is spelled S-O-S-H-A Bianca yeah so it's it's just spelled a little bit differently so I'm going to put that link in the show notes for you guys to check out um, and also her underwear is super affordable and it's good quality. It hits at the right spot. It's different than like the the average thong. It's more of like a loungewear underwear kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you just feel good in them. Like I, I, I took a picture. I didn't shave my vagina when I took the picture and I sent it to her, but it was good. What? <laughs> the vagina part, hair part though. But I feel you because I haven't shaved either. And I'm just like any man who comes along just going to have to deal with it at this point in time. Oh, <laughs> Oh yeah, it's full bush over here. I mean, the laser, the laser appointments have not been made. Um, there's no there because I just ew, yeah. It's the, my husband's birthday today, so I shaved actually, guys. I shaved my legs, Ooh. my vagina, my uh, armpits. You I mean, need a medal. Oh, I know, right? It's gonna be a good even. It's a good birthday for husband. <laughs> Yeah, shaving is no fucking joke. The work that we women need to do to prepare. Yeah. Meanwhile, men just throw water on their face and they're like <laughs> glowing and I'm like. <laughs> Although in my husband's defense, he is really getting into hair care mm-hmm. and he's got curly hair like I do. So he's been playing around with some really great natural ingredients mm-hmm. and he's kind of like, you know, a health, a hair care uh, <laughs> kind of guru. But anyways, he puts in a lot of attention. So I, I appreciate that as well. Okay, Mads, what is your current fixation? Okay, my current fixation. So. Everyone knows I am a TikTok enthusiast and I noticed, which um, I think most people noticed last week is TikTok really doesn't have that much representation in the black community or at, at least they don't. It doesn't seem like they are prioritized on everyone's for you page. And I was obviously thinking about that um and I was wanting to diversify my TikTok feed so I was looking up some black TikTok stars that I can start to follow and start to 
um, support because I am a big, you know, TikTok apologist. I am here for the content and I'm ready to follow anyone and everyone that is funny and beauty tips and fun dances. So I found this Instagram account, funny, funny enough, called Black TikTokers. And it has just all of this incredible array of content from like small following to larger followings um, and in all different genres too. And so it just kind of also illuminated. I know as white people, we have been last week, we really were a lot of these, we were excited to follow so many amazing new businesses and individuals and the same goes for TikTok, and I was so appreciative for this uh, account and then also for my new uh, TikTok follows. <laughs> also, I we used to have a joint TikTok, and I got kicked out. Oh, no. What happened? I, I, have, I don't have a TikTok. I don't want it. My daughter has it, and she loves it, but I'm... I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Um, Mad said I was bad at the dances <laughs> and that I wasn't committed to the content enough. Oh, man. So now I have my own, and the only people I follow are Joe Jonas. <laughs> and that's that's about it so far. So Well, I'll give you some black TikTokers to follow. I just, need, I just need to know everyone to follow. Yeah. I don't know TikTok. Anyways, okay. Amazing. Love it. Okay, Brianne, what is your current fixation? Uh, um, honestly, baking has becoming my current fixation. I swore up and down, like I didn't know how to bake. And I don't know if it's because I'm just older and like have more patience when it comes to cooking or if it's just in Corona and I have to cook. But it used to be really bad where like if I did like box brownies, it just would not work out my favorite. I, I, would, I would burn it. The, bounty, the brownies wouldn't rise correctly, which is bad. But here lately, I've been like cooking, like baking up all of the things, cinnamon rolls and uh, rosemary, banana bread and homemade cookies and really um, also veganism. And I don't want to say that as like a, a fad or a trend, but I have been slowly changing my diet over and really exploring ways that I can um, take the foods that I like and then curve it to a more vegan vegan adjacent because I still have uh I still eat like dairy or fish every now and then so like vegan adjacent and just learning how I can use certain vegetables to maybe have like fried chicken or whatever wait you need to give me the recipe for rosemary banana bread like what does that even oh my god my friends are so obsessed with it I like um, I brown the butter and then dip the rosemary into the butter, let it infuse with the butter. And then I chop up uh, fresh rosemary and walnuts into the actual banana batter. And it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> that sounds incredible. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, so there's this um, vegetarian restaurant by my house. I'm going to send you the menu because they do a chicken. It's a vegan place. Sorry. They do. They call it chicken. It's not chicken. And it tastes so good it tastes better than chicken i'm gonna send you the menu so you can check out the ingredients because they do an excellent job yes please I'm, I'm loving learning and somebody sent me a recipe for vegan fried chicken today it was made out of oyster mushrooms and you can't just looking at it you couldn't even tell that it was oyster mushrooms it looked like chicken and it looked like it tasted amazing so i'm gonna try that i don't it won't that sounds incredible i'm gonna try it 
Okay, let's get into everything that you've been doing. I mean, you're completely a multi-hyphenate. There are so many communities that you either manage or contribute to that we have been admiring. So first, we're going to talk about Sad Girls Club. (laughs) Tell us about, about this mental health resource and community and why it exists. Mm, so Elise is our founder. Um, she had a video go viral, I believe in like 2017 called Conversation with Friends. I believe that was the name of it. And um, she just talked about her stint with mental health and her mm. depression and all of the things that uh, she went through. And obviously it took off and she saw a need for to to cater to mental health and wellness, especially within the black community, because it is such a taboo topic. Um, things like therapy are not as easily accessible to people of color. And then um, black people in particular are often told not to go to therapy. We're often told to go to church and pray about it. And so there's never that segue of you can be in church or you can pray anyway and have therapy. There's never the combination of the two. It's either you have to have one or the other and so with sad girls club um us officially launching our website in 2018 um we have just been a have such a plethora of support in our community and our um, online zine and tackling everything from uh, love and sex and you know body positivity and uh, being sexual beings and really understanding what it means to maybe have depression or what it means to cope with bipolar or what it means to cope with ADHD and all of these conversations have lived either on the platform on our Instagram channel with various people that we have talked to and then just in the various events that we hold um, here lately in um, you know our virtual community but when we were doing in-person uh, events we had like a nike run club and you know after that we'd have like a a therapist come in and we uh partnered with uh, dr jess who is a very well-known black woman in in the mental health uh, community and so a sad girls club is just here to really help us uh destigmatize the conversation around mental health and wellness for black women for black people because even though we like to think that we've come such a long way in the conversations we have around mental health and wellness, there's still so much that we don't understand, so much much that we have not tackled, and still so much that we are afraid to really call into the carpet. So at least uh, built this beautiful platform. I came in in 2018 and have been working very close with her in the timeframe to really build up Sad Girls to to what it is today, so. That's all beautiful. Um, I'm so interested in this because I have bipolar disorder. And in my community, I had to educate and my parents had to educate themselves. But it wasn't, you know, there was a taboo around it. But I can understand like the added layer of like access to certain therapists or a cultural difference of just go to church and pray. So I think that's an incredible step and 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 people like me who just deal with a mental illness can understand the importance of that step um what is your specific relationship to mental health why is this a topic that you decided to go into and tackle Mm. oh mental health has always been um a thing for me 
Uh, I have been a super, super sensitive being from the time that I was like crafted into this world. I have always been hyper aware of my emotions. And because of that, I got bullied a lot. Um, my, even my sisters, I love them dearly, but even my sisters will like often call me crybaby or whatever, just because I, and I do cry. I cry at the drop of a dime. And I used to be ashamed. Girl, I used Same. to think of it, but now I'm like, whatever. <laughs> but um all of these things in my childhood really kind of had a, a weigh in on my own mental health. And I remember, I think at like maybe 14, possibly 16, somewhere in high school, I wrote my first suicide note to um, my mother. And I, I really uh, was like, I feel as though, you know, you and everyone in my life would be better without me because of some of the things that were going on within the house that I really didn't have anywhere to kind of put that anger or frustration because in the black community, and I don't know how it is outside, but it's in the black community, um, whatever happens in the house stays in the house. You can't really talk about it. See, so whether, and I, I wasn't, I don't want to, I wasn't sexually abused in my house. So I just want to make that clear. <laughs> but there were a lot of other things going on within my house that really um, kind of weighed on who I was and trying to become, and then also understanding, you know, how my mother who I love very dearly and very close to but still allow some of these things to happen but then also trying to foster her as my mother and not blaming her because you know our mother our parents are their own people and so they do the best that they can and then as I got older um I had a a, a, a daughter she's now nine but like in 2013 she got sick with a kidney disease and all of these other things started happening and then again I thought about suicide and um went through like postpartum depression and stuff and so all of these things have really been important have been important to me and wanting to really uh, give a voice to uh, mental health and depression and postpartum and what you know it looks like to kind of live on the other side of it because sometimes people don't see the light on the other side of it I myself thought for the longest in living in this darkness that that was all I would ever know I didn't think I would ever know joy again and so it's really important for me to, to allow people to know that you know joy is always an option you for some reason and I, I believe in this 100% that it was divine intervention for you to say that to me right now mm -hmm. because those are the things that I've been tackling in my own spiritual and mental health practice. So it's just, I mean, I want to hear from you kind of how you found that joy, how you saw the light at the end of the tunnel, how you cultivate that strength, how you how you didn't go through with those suicides. What do you attribute that to and what, what kind of tools do you actively employ? Um, when I was 16, um, my, my mother, who, again, my best friend, very close to her, um, obviously, she loved me enough to to have the conversation with me about why I felt this way. And immediately, um, there was an intervention, if you will, with my my mother. I am a preacher's kid. <laughs> so I don't I don't go to church anymore. But that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> don't listen to this, mom. Do not listen. <laughs> I did not say that, but um, 
Um, then she, so at the time, my community looked like my sisters. It looked like my god sister. It looked like my godmother, and it looked like my pastor. And really lean, leaning into me, and, and really pouring in love to me. And then as I got older, um, my relationship to church started to shift. And my understanding of God and spirit and the universe started to shift. So I started to, yes, lean into um, my Bible a little more, but in less of a religion kind of a way and more of a, you know, I really need you to speak to me and I really need you to give me what you have to say to me kind of thing, not necessarily what you feel like somebody else needs to say to me. What do you need to say to me? So my mornings would look like four o'clock in journaling or, you know, singing songs of praise. I, I love gospel music, even though I don't go to church anymore. The messages in them are still so very powerful and how and uplifting and how we can get through whatever it is that we are going through. And then um, when I, I moved here, I moved to uh, I moved to New Jersey in 2016, and then moved over into Brooklyn a little after. But when I moved here um, into New Jersey, I was living with my um, my dad's uh, sister, and my dad's side of the family are super, super, super religious. I'm the complete opposite, and because of that, there was a lot of push pull in how I coexisted with them, and so my depression was like at an all time high living um, in the space because there is that wanting to be respectful of where they are in, in, you know, in their beliefs, but they were also wanting to honor myself and my own beliefs and trying to figure out what I'm really going through while also dealing with the thing with the personal issues that had gone on with my daughter. So uh, my, my care plan looked a lot like boundaries and it took, um, it took a long time for me to get very comfortable and not having certain conversations with certain people. I think as, as adult beings, we often feel like we can't have boundaries with our parents or our elders. And then when we enforce those boundaries, those boundaries often look like disrespect to our, our parents or to our elders. When really it's just saying, I can't have this conversation with you. I already know how this is gonna go. And so because of that, because I already know we're not gonna see eye to eye on this, or because I know you're gonna dis disagree with me on this, or you know invalidate my feelings or whatever, then, my boundary is to not have this conversation with you. My boundary is to have the conversation with myself, with my friends, whoever I feel like can support me in this kind of way. But if I in turn want to have this conversation with you later, then I will. And having a sense of privacy, like you are entitled to, to privacy. That was another thing that really got me through it with really um, honoring myself and knowing that I am entitled to privacy regardless of who I am living with and regardless of what their feelings are around it. I don't have to share anything with you if I don't want to. And so really knowing that and um, really turning to like things like moon cycles and uh, meditation and really honoring myself through my sensual practice and my sexual practices definitely helped me heal a lot through uh, myself and my anxiety and my depression and things of that nature. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really loved what you said, and I don't think this is talked about enough, is coming to terms that our parents are people mm -hmm. and that they're individuals mm -hmm. and that they aren't these heroic people that we grow up looking to them as, but rather flawed, 
humans Mm -hmm. and it's a really really interesting moment in your adulthood when you come to terms with that um so thank you for illuminating that I kind of want to speak on you know you're a mother now Mm -hmm. and all of these things you've learned in relationship to your family and your parents how have you been enacting that within you and your your um daughter Mm -hmm. daughter? yeah daughter's Mm -hmm. relationship oh my it, you're so it's so funny you asking it because I'm actually working on a project right now about um, examining our relationships through motherhood and 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 learning you know the various ways we look at gender roles and our bodies and religion and intimacy and how those are things we often learn by watching our mothers and so um and and seeing how my mom raised me, she's super Southern, so super, you know, traditional, have kids, have a husband, you know, wake up at four o'clock in the morning and cook his meals and all this stuff. And I am the complete opposite. I feel like if I'm working the same amount of hours as you are, you can go cook a meal and leave me alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> snaps for that. That is how I feel. I tell any man that I date that if they expect me to cook them three meals a day, or if they expect me to cook every day, not even three meals a day, but if you expect me to cook for you every day, we not going to work because, <laughs> because I, I do do a lot and I totally am for the man being the man, but I also feel like as the man, it is also your job to cater to me. And sometimes that might mean that I need you to cook me a meal today because I got a shitload of work to do. I can't wait. Can I cuss? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, fuck yes. Fuck yes. Keep you it going. Cuss. Keep it going. <laughs> so, but um, one thing that I really, really did not have when I was a child was um, the freedom to honor my creative self. My mother never understood the, the how important it was for me to have and own my creative expression. And even as an adult, when I when I first started um, writing back in 2014, like when I really got serious about it, she's like, I don't understand. This isn't going to bring you any money or whatever, whatever. But now that she sees me like out here doing the thing, she's like, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> isn't that always how it goes? I know. I know. At first she was like, leave it alone. Go find a job. This is not going to go nowhere. And now she's like, oh, you wrote that? Okay. I think. But, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. So for, for my daughter, I make it extremely me and um, her her grandparents, who are a huge role in her life, they uh, are her primary caretaker while her father and I work. Um, we make it extremely, extremely important for her to express herself however she feels she needs to. So there are times, and it isn't anything, not even creatively, it's anything. So there are times I might call her and whatever, and she'll be like, Mommy, I don't feel like talking to you right now. I'm busy. And I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, but okay, sis, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> and you call me back. <laughs> so and um, I love that, though, that she has, that she feels comfortable within herself to honor her emotions and say, yes, I need this. Yes, I like this. No, I don't want this. Or I don't want to wear this. And as a nine-year-old, we often, you know, especially for when we were kids, our eye, our outer appearance is pretty much everything. We wanted to be like perfect so nobody would pick on us. But she's out here like cutting her hair off and just wearing whatever shit is she wants to because she feels comfortable in doing that. And I really believe that it's because um, myself and her and her father and, you know, just 
the community around her has really uplifted and supported her into into really owning and figuring out what being a girl and and what being a woman and what having a voice is means to her and um I never want her to feel like that, you know, she, I will never support her. And I don't think she feels that way. She's always, you know, mommy, I want to try this or want to do this. So she's done everything from trying guitar lessons to do a dancing, to horseback riding, so whatever. Right now she's learning, um, she's into slime and then trying to figure out how to code. And I'm like, girl, whatever, I do all of the things until you find something that fits. And I think that's important, especially for girls, that we give them that road and that mentality to do all of the things until they find something that sticks at the part of finding and owning your voice. And I would never take that away from her. I'm extremely proud of her for that. One, that's incredible and so beautiful. But I also see that message a lot in yourself. And I know that maybe you didn't learn it in your home. Correct me if I'm wrong. I obviously don't know about your home life, but it sounds as if you were able to to find something that related to you. If it wasn't church, it was this. If it wasn't this, it was that. And understand that this pathway wasn't for me. Like I'm not going to cook a man a meal. I'm not going to do that traditional stuff. And I think it's really important to highlight because sometimes, I mean, all, all the time, children feel a pressure to mimic their parents or to stay in line with their parents or to have the same beliefs or to, you know, have their approval. And I suffer from that tremendously, having mostly my dad's approval. And so to know that we can find our own voice Mm -hmm. as children of parentals, no matter how old we are, (laughs) that we can find our own voice. And then not only that, once we find our own voice, we can then foster it in the next generation so that your daughter doesn't feel, you know, your daughter probably doesn't feel as if she's limited or, or has one path she has to walk down. She feels the freedom to to choose and to play and to explore. And so that is just, that's incredible. Really, I, I, I commend you on that. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that she is into slime. <laughs> Can, like, w- I have heard this so much from younger people <laughs> No, oh, I mean, I not, thought, not I, I, I thought I heard it wrong. Slime was yeah. that. So, so like, everyone is, obs- all these kids are obsessed with slime. What, what, can you please just, like, I know this is a uh, completely off topic, but since you're, you know, it's in your household at this time, what is slime and why are kids fascinated it's, it's with this, it? It's this glob of goo. I mean, she. <laughs> And you put like glitter in it, right? Yes. Like different this colors. Is, yeah. She will go in and make slime out of anything. She has like a little science lab in the bath in her bathroom. So it's like lotion and Elmer's glue and like the various soaps, like Mr. Bubble, because some Mr. Bubble works better to make this slime, or this show might work better to make this slime. And then she got. I gotta, fo- I gotta follow your daughter on TikTok <laughs> like, because she seems so rad. <laughs> I love her. She, she <laughs> I mean, obviously, but like she is worlds better as a child than I was. That girl is just amazing. But so you know, I don't know. I don't like slime. I hate it. But she looks good. <laughs> It's so, I have a thing with textures, so I just don't, yeah. and she is like, mommy, let's play with this, and I'm like, no, nah, you got it, you got it. I think I would like playing with slime. That sounds oddly satisfying. It's, yeah, it's like a stress reliever, I would yeah, like totally. say. I was just going to say that, yes, yeah, some people do say it. It's a, there's a whole, um, I think they're a nonprofit. I want to say she's a nonprofit here in New York that's based off of slime and its uh, abilities to kind of de-stress people. Oh, my God. Interesting. Love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to talk about Black Girl and Ohm mm-hmm. because 
I actually just discovered Black Girl and Ohm and Lauren Na- Lauren Ash, sorry. And I've been actually I've been listening to a lot of her uh, meditations this past week, um, especially because we've been highlighting a lot of women in wellness and. She is, you know, a very calming and incredible force with what she has created. So tell us a little bit about what you contribute to Black Girl and Ohm and kind of why, why, uh, what, what purpose does it service in the Black community? Oh, Black Girl and Ohm. So um, it was founded five years ago. Lauren founded it five years ago, um, based out of Chicago. And she started it because uh, as a yogi there were not a lot of black women in the space it was it and still is a heavily white space so um when she started it she it started out as you know this community for yogis to come or whatever and our tagline and she might kill me because I, I don't think i'm going to say this right but our tagline is creating space for ease and flow something along those lines and um, our online publication, our presence in, in the spiritual and mental health world and the wellness world is really about tackling just all of the things that Black women deal with. And a lot of our conversations have been centered around what it means to be Black bodies. So our four verticals are mind, body, soul, and space. And within those four verticals, we can talk anything from intergenerational generational trauma to um sexual trauma to uh relationships to intuitive eating and black girl in ohm has become a very uh prominent organization and community for black women to really come and find themselves and really honor themselves and really you know, have fun in discovering what it means to be a spiritual being, what it means to be a magical being. And uh, Lauren, the light that she is, continues to do amazing work as a, a yogi and as a healer and as a meditation guide. And um, my work with Black Girl um, as the editor is to, you know, obviously uplift and continue to amplify the stories of Black women. So uh, we have been rebranding for the last year and are, you know, venturing more into a spiritual uh, side of things. And so our conversations in, in past instances have been things like reclaiming radical joy or you know, the personal is political and how being black is an act of resistance. Like our existence is an act of resistance. Our joy, our love is an act of resistance. Or, you know, things like pride and being an ally for the, the LGBTQ community, especially within the black spaces, because even that is something that's still stigmatized and not really talked about. Homophobia in, in black homes is still like a thing that we are still tackling. So being an ally for that, we are um, just black women, honestly, just black women out here taking up space and, and telling the stories of what it means to be a black woman, whether and, and really knowing that black stories are not always rooted in trauma. That is the one thing that we uh, are really try to amplify is that although we all have a story to tell, every story is not rooted in trauma. There are stories of joy and pleasure and, you know, and grace. And so we try to honor the two and really tackling what it means. I I mean, that whole mission is incredible. Mm-hmm. And it is something that I've thought a lot about as to why 
there is not more black women in the spiritual yoga wellness space, at least in the forefront. And, and there's a multitude of factors that could be a whole episode. But I, I want to talk to you about spirituality in particular. Um, you grew up in the church and you don't have to talk about why you don't go to church anymore, but you grew up, you know, praying and, you know, I'm sure God was something that you had, a, that who you had a connection to, and then you've entered into this spiritual space. So prayer for me has been a very new, powerful form that I have been exploring and spirituality and all. We were raised Jewish. We are Jewish. Mm -hmm. And so we also grew up with the idea of God and going to synagogue and praying twice a week and all of that stuff. Um, and when you're told it as, a, as a child, you know, it's just like, yeah, there's God and there's synagogue and we pray as a community. And then as you get older, you start figuring out what kind of works best for you. And so I've entered more of the spiritual space, which it sounds like you've done as well. And I would love I would love to hear more about what that looks like for you. How do you define your spirituality? Is it do you pray to God? Do you pray to the universe? Do you believe in manifestation? You know, what does it look like for you? Oh, to me, God, spirit, the universe, the language for me is all the same. It's all interchangeable. So one day I might say God, you know, I might use spirit. I might say, I might even still say Jesus. Like all of it is interchangeable to me. I've never really can, even though I went to church, I never really understood the full scope of religion. I've never really considered myself to be a religious being. I always struggled between the two. And then as I got older, I finally let go of trying to be this religious person. And so my spirituality, it, it is really rooted in, in like the earth and um, meditation and the various moon cycles. I believe heavily in, you know, full moon and new moon. Those are my favorite times of the month and um, taking time to honor myself, whether it's through candle magic or, you know, ritual burning rituals or just whatever my spirituality has a, a lot of various forms it could look like dance and you know honoring myself with the foods i eat or you know honoring myself through spiritual baths and um even through conversation with the community that whole whether it's with um the person i'm dating or with my friends or you know just journaling too journaling will always be my favorite form of like coming to self i feel like i have the most powerful conversations with myself when i am able to like really write and sit down and kind of journey my way through whatever is coming up so and meditation here i mean spirituality here as a late definitely looks like tarot cards too i've been doing i've been doing a lot of deep diving into oracle readings and energy pools and really trying to understand the various messages that spirit um ouch bring i think i just broke my nail i'm sorry Are you okay <laughs> i think i just broke my fingernail my daughter came like mom your nail looks too long and i'm like i'm not cutting them and i probably need to because i stabbed myself with it the other day <laughs> <laughs> Quarantine, Quarantine nails. Quarantine <laughs> nails. But um, spirituality is like, um, it's not one dimensional. So it can be whatever you want it to be. And right now it's just me figuring out and picking and choosing whatever my spirit needs in a day. It could be rest. Oh my God. I, I'm just, quarantine has brought like a total spiritual awakening for me. I've always considered myself a spiritual person and kind of aligned with those ideals, but I've never, I think, internalized them and felt them in my core really, or understood what it means when people say we're all connected. Like, I'm like, okay, I get it. And that's a nice sentiment, but now I'm like, I'm feeling it in my body. And, you know, for me, it looks like meditation every single night, 
journaling every single morning. I think journaling is the best way to connect with yourself. Every sing- it's the, what I do the first thing I wake up. Um, I have this Oracle deck, which is amazing. Oh my God. I was, I kept pulling a card that said I was in the void, mm-hmm. which is the, which is the area you go through into a spiritual transformation. Mm-hmm. And I kept pulling it for like three weeks straight. What's the deck? Uh, excellent question. <laughs> Starseed? Starseed? I have, I was wondering if that's what it was. I was like, just ask me. I have that. I have. Oh, it's I so good. And then the minute I was like, I think I'm coming out of it. I got... I got the card that said I'm coming out of it. And I was like, oh, but my Lord. It's amazing. It's amazing how bright the answers to everything that we we need are already within ourselves. Like our intuition mm-hmm. is everything. I even cook with my intuition. Like our intuition is everything. Spirit would tell you everything if we really just learn how to lean in and tap into it. So I want to talk about um, the state of our world Mm -hmm. and our country right now um obviously with the aftermath of the murder of george floyd there's been there has been a specific movement that has erupted a revolution of course but um something that i keep coming back to is obviously a lot of black people went through very emotional distress last Mm -hmm. week. I mean, you all go through emotional distress for your entire life. And then last week in particular was exceptionally hard and dark. And you work within the mental health space for black communities. So I do want to hear about some of your tips, some of your, um, resources, things that you would recommend to our black listeners and to the black community if they are in a process of healing at this time, because, uh, last week, it's just, it was, it was so much, it was like a, it was also just triggering. And it was, I mean, I can't even imagine what it would have felt like to be black during that time last week. So I want you kind of to speak on what people can do if they maybe went into a depression or started, um, amping up their anxiety last week. And what are some things to kind of reconnect and, uh, practice some joy and self-love during this time? The first thing I would, I would, um, suggest is for you to really call names where whatever it is that you're feeling we can't understand or you know really begin to put away our our thoughts and our emotions until we really put a name to it and so um, whenever I found myself feeling something I always journal through a series of questions and I'm always like you know what am I feeling in this moment what what situation or maybe uh, past trauma is this feeling connected to? And then how can I begin to really um, remove myself from it? And I don't say remove myself as in I would never feel this again, but really calling myself to be able to put a care plan and how I can you know, maneuver through it when it does come up again, because the feeling, our feelings are always going to come up. Anger, sadness, joy, whatever, it's all going to come up. And how we tend to it today might be different from how we tend to it tomorrow. But at least I know I have somewhere to start. Um, And then as far as like resources, uh, there are a, a tons of wellness resources out here. There are tons of accounts out here who are really catering to the black community during this time. And I really hope that once this is over, because part of it 
I don't, I don't, I think a lot of us in the black community are, are a little antsy around this because we don't want this to just be a fad for some people. Like we, we are not, we are not a trend and I need people to understand that being black is not a trend. Our trauma is not a trend. People dying is not a trend. This is something that we are really living with and live through daily. So this support that is happening today and what's happening last week needs to continue so that my community, our men, our children have a future from this moment on. But I'm sorry, off of that tangent. <laughs> um, tapping into resources like uh, Rachel Cargo and her foundation, the Loveland Foundation, or her other organization, the Great Unlearn, which is doing a lot of race work, but then also she's very big on not self-harming yourself during this time. And then um, Staggers Club, obviously, Black Girl in the Own. There are places like, uh, and I don't think I'm going to say this right, but I think it's Naya Wellness. I would send you. Because <laughs> okay, I, we'll, we'll I don't think it. I say that right. <laughs> but, uh, and Hill House uh, is, a, is a great organization mm -hmm. for, for Black women, I mean, for Black people, not just Black women. Hill House, I think Mindful this week is doing a Blackout Week where they're uplifting all Black meditation teachers. Um, and then, you know, journaling through th with people like Alex L or even myself and the work that I am beginning to do with my own organization, uh, 2930. And then really giving yourself the, the space to unplug. We don't have to, just because somebody says you have to act right now, doesn't mean that you have to act right now. I need Black people in particular to understand that there are various forms of activism and your activism might look like you just sitting still for a moment to give yourself time to feel to give yourself time to rest to give yourself time to understand and come to last week you could ask me to do nothing <laughs> i checked out last week i spent last weekend i was very intentional about loving on the person that i'm dating a black man i wanted to be very loving towards him because obviously we are losing our men. So the time that I had with him during that weekend was very important to me. So I, cut, I was like, nobody bothered me. So your mental health and wellness can look like you just taking a nap, watching something on Netflix or reading a book, whatever it is that you feel like your spirit needs at this time. You can be, don't be silent. You can be still. Silence and stillness are not, are not the same. Offering up prayers of protection is still a form of activism. You don't have to go to all of the marches. Stop watching the news. I'm going to say this, but fuck Trump and stop listening. Like stop reading his tweets. Amen. We never, we've never actively said that on the podcast. <laughs> we, we will not um, disagree. <laughs> we've never said that we don't like Trump. We've oh, never said Trump. it. Yeah. I'd yeah. At this point, it's fuck him hard. Get him the <laughs> fuck out. We're done. It's over. You had your chance. You're done. You it, 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 but no, for real though, like I'm done with yeah. him. But anyway, and then do some breath work. Mariam Ajaye and her, um, her organization, Diving Well, does amazing breath work. Um, so doing tapping into resources like that and then honoring yourself and then this might be a weird thing to say because of the sex the 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 times we're in but honoring your sexual desires like really giving yourself some somewhere to kind of release whether it's through self-pleasure or you know masturbation or sex with your partner if you're able to do so 
give yourself that space. It's it's not wrong. Give yourself that space to really release whatever tension you feel like you need to release right now. Wow. Oh, that was good. Wow. Um, I love a prescribed meditation. That is, or sorry, Master- masturbation. I was like, meditation, I was, honestly, I think I masturbated more last week than I have in a long time. So <laughs> well, I was like, I sense. need a release. It makes sense. It is a release. It's a form of uh, alleviating tension and stress in the body. It is also very personal. Oh, nope. sorry. Keep, yeah, I also wanted to just point out that those, I mean, for all of our black listeners listening, these resources are amazing. I'm going to um, outline them in the show notes so they can easily, you know, get involved. I also just want to say also to our white people, based upon what you just said, is that this is not a sprint. You know, like, don't feel the need to necessarily go crazy on social media for one week and then stop because yeah. you ran the sprint. Yeah. This is a marathon that has no end in sight until we declare that it's been resolved, which will take hundreds of years, potentially, hopefully less. And so in that sense, while black women are taking care of their mental health, white women need to run the marathon with them and not do the sprint and not just frantically post to be on the right side of history. But as you said, be still and figure out because no longer is this a black issue, right? Now it's like, which I think is so incredible about this revolution and this movement is now it's like the black community's done what they've been able to do. They've said everything. It's now the white community's obligation to make changes in the way we think and, and the way we privilege. do things and, and, and the way we change our brands and our businesses and whatever it may be. So I just, I just want to, I, I just don't want it, as you said, to be a trend. I want us to understand that we got to be in this for the long haul. So I, I think your resources are incredible. I, I hope people can find um, comfort in them during this time, you know, cause I, I don't know how to comfort people, you know? But yeah, was that a rant? I feel like I just <laughs> no, like, no. I'm like sweating now because I'm like getting all hot. No, but I keep talking. It's important. I, I think, um, as, as you said, that it's not. We we've already put everything out there. I had somebody immediately after you know the protests and everything really started. Like when when things really started to shift, I had somebody ask me, "Well, what can I do to be an ally? How can I help?" And I was like, "What? Like what? That's not my. That's not my job to educate you." Blacks have been documenting things for years. My ancestors have left things behind. Our ancestors have left things behind. There is tons of texts, tons of speeches, tons of music, songs, poetry, documentaries, whatever for you to go and Google and and read or whatever it is that you need to do to educate yourself on something, on the very thing that you created. We can create this. So it's not my job to educate you on it. Yeah, we have been, I mean, we'll say it again. We are, and I'm fine to say this on every podcast we put up. It is not the responsibility of our black friends to educate us and us as in white people. Um, We've been posting this on social, I think every day it's been because it is so true. Like, And we put together a resource guide for white people, um, an anti-racist guide, because 
Again, it is not, it literally took me a Google search to like, find these, like. People, you, we have the fucking Google. You know how to Google. Like, be smart. Like, it what exists. Is like, I get your, I understand your intention might be uh, rooted in kindness and, gra- and graciousness, but no, it's like. Really, the uh, black people have suffered enough and they do not need to put on, they do not need to take on our now emotional uh, turbulence due to this whole thing. This is, this is not the responsibility of black people. Yeah, their responsibility is to take care of their mental health with Sad Girls Club right now. Yeah. (laughs) That's all you got to do. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about 2930. Tell us everything. What's going on? What's the scoop? Oh, 2930 is my baby. Um. I thought of her, I'm going to refer to her as her. I thought of her um, when I was 29, transitioning into 30. And uh, it has been like a slow relationship between her and I, because I start on it and then I stop and I start on it and then I stop. And then um, I really believe in, you know, not putting things out until it's time. I don't want to just throw things out and because I feel like I have to or, you know, to, to keep up with the Joneses or keep up with momentum. So there was for a long time where well, I didn't create anything. Like my Instagram went silent. A long time I wouldn't do nothing. And um, when I moved into Brooklyn uh, last year, I realized how exhausted I was when I moved in here. I just thought that when I came into New York, you know, you imagine you come into a big city like New York, you're going to be out here just doing all of the things. You're going to be like, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker on Sex and the City. <laughs> like, you're going to be living it up. I was like, nah, sis, don't call me. Don't text me. I won't go nowhere. I just wanted to stay in my bed and sleep. And I thought, I really thought that I was going through a state of depression. And I was like, why am I depressed? Like, I don't have anything to be sad about at this point. You know, my, my daughter had a kidney transplant. Like, I was working for myself. Like, I got an apartment. It's my first apartment to myself. and Not to myself, I have roommates. But it's my first apartment in, like, five years or whatever. You know, so just, I was like, what is going on? And then Spirit was like, you're not depressed. Your body is decompressing. Your body is letting go of all of that trauma. Your body is, has been so in survival mode. That's what it's centered around. Has been in survival mode for so long that you are really at a place to where you no longer have to worry about, you know, somebody putting you out of the house or somebody asking you to leave or somebody, you know, changing the locks or, you know, just feeling uncomfortable in your own space. And when you don't, I haven't had a space in like of my own since 2014. When my daughter got sick and all of the things that like happened after that, I was homeless. I lost my job. I lost my car. Like just all of these things happened. And so when you are going through a lot of like high stress situations like that, you don't have time to process anything. You're only thinking about making it through the day. You don't like see a future. You can't really process what's going to happen tomorrow or next week, let alone a few months from now. Even planning vacation at that time gave me anxiety. I was like, I can't. Like, what if something happens? I can't. And so coming here and really taking the time to filter through what I was going through really gave me the vision that I needed to kind of finally birth 2930 into what uh she is going to be when we launch here soon. And so um, we are, because 
a lot of my healing has come from my sensual and, and my sexual, you know, healing and, and, and honoring my body as, as a woman, as a black body in those spaces. Um, that is what I feel is most important for us as women, as black women, to really understand the prowess, our magic, our divine feminine energy, because we all have it. And um, knowing that we lose the disconnect, though, when we are in stress, when we are have certain situations arise in our lives, we lose the disconnect. We forget how to trust ourselves. We forget what it means to lean into our intuition. We forget how to love ourselves. We forget how to allow other people to love us. And so 2930 is about really healing ourselves and figuring out what joy looks like now that we're on the other side of the darkness we never thought we would see. And I can't say I have all of the answers because I'm still figuring out what it looks like right now. Like I'm dating someone and even that has been a journey because I haven't dated anybody in five years. And so now trying to figure out what it looks like to really allow someone to be all of these things to me and separating my past trauma so that I can move into a place of joy is scary, but like has been an extremely powerful thing for me to experience. And so these are some of the stories that um, me and the women that I have been blessed to work with are planning to tell. Oh, I need to do some breath work. I am like filled up in the best way possible. Yeah, that's um, so. What? So, um, do you have a launch date, or when can people expect to be able to navigate uh, twenty nine thirty? So, uh, July eleventh was my tentative launch date. If I can get everything that I need to finish um, by then, and I'm hoping that I can, then it would be July eleventh. Otherwise, it'll be in August. Amazing. Awesome. All right. We will obviously be looking, looking out, out for that and supporting that uh, indefinitely. Let everyone know where they can find you and just all of the communities <laughs> and resources that you work on. I mean, I mean, there's just uh, so many. Every time somebody says that, I'm like, no, I'm not doing enough. But anyway. <laughs> please. Oh, please. Um. You can find me on Instagram at Brienne Patrice. Uh, my website is the same, BriennePatrice.com. Um, Sad Girls Club is Sad Girls Club. And on Instagram, our website is SadGirlsClub.org. Excuse me, Black Girl and Own, Black Girl and Own uh, on Instagram, BlackGirlandOwn.com, although our website is down right now because we're still rebranding. And then 2930 is 2930 on Instagram. And then 2930.co is our website. Beautiful. Thank you so, so much for coming on and being vulnerable and talking about all these things. We love you dearly. And you can find us at OKSIS Podcast. Thanks, sisters.